Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host for today, Emma Sandler, Senior Beauty and Wellness Reporter. Today, we are welcoming Mina Che, CEO of Pharmacy. Pharmacy was founded in 2016 and has been known for its farm-to-face products and philosophy. Pharmacy was recently acquired by Procter & Gamble for an undisclosed sum. Mina, welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited to be here. How is the beginning of your new year? It's been great. Super busy. It's such an exciting year. Um, And January feels like the longest, shortest month ever. (laughs) Indeed, I can agree with that one. You recently stepped into your CEO role at Pharmacy in January as well after previously holding the role of VP of Marketing and Consumer Engagement. Can you tell us a bit about this transition and your history with Pharmacy? Sure. So I joined Pharmacy almost since the very beginning. It's been about um, five years now. So I think, you know, I started when it, it was a little baby brand. Um, so it's just sort of incredible to now be a part of the PNG family and see how much pharmacy has grown. I think when I first started, you know, we were in the conference room and we were boxing up our own influencer mailers. There were a couple of times during Black Friday where after Thanksgiving, we would have to drive to the warehouse to pack shipments. So um, to be where we are now from a personal and professional level, it's been amazing. And I think um, for me, being a marketer, I just always think about the consumer I'm obsessed with the consumer. I'm very consumer centric. And that's really how I see my role as CEO. I think my responsibilities have obviously expanded, but my approach is exactly the same. Really thinking about the consumer to be consumer centric to everything that I do. Um, you know, are we meeting the expectations of our consumers? Do they love our products? Do they love what we stand for as a brand? Is every interaction with the brand a positive one? Um, when we respond to every DM or every customer service email or every product experience, I want to make sure that at every touch point, we are really looking at it from a consumer lens. Elaborate on that a little bit. Tell me how your past work as a marketer informs the goals that you have in your CEO role. Sure. I think for me, um, being so close to the consumer as a marketer have really allowed me as CEO to think about how do we as a brand, our business practices, how does that impact our experience with the consumer? So for example, I think sustainability has always been so important to the brand. Um, and through my role at pharmacy, I personally have become really passionate about sustainability. So it's through the marketing role where I've seen and spoken with consumers and see how they connect with the brand because of our values, because we are sustainable, because we give back to the community, because we stand for something more than just the products in the bottle. Um, that's really shaped my perspective. As CEO of the company, it's the vision is still the same. I've just been so close to the consumers going to the events. You know, when I first started, I was responding to all of the DMs and the comments myself. You know, I would stay up all night reading all of the reviews. I still stay up all night reading all of the reviews. And I think, um, you know, that puts me in a unique perspective because I am so connected to the consumer. Um, and so my goal as CEO is to continue that, really be connected to the consumer. You know, we are a part of P&G. We have, you know, a lot of resources and a lot of opportunity to expand, but I want to make sure that we maintain that mindset of being really consumer-centric and being mindful of every single interaction that we have with a consumer. I think especially now, 
consumers have so much choice. If I'm on Instagram within a five minute period, I've just seen, you know, 10 new serums I need to try, like six skirts and five jackets that I didn't know ever existed that I need to add to cart. And so I never want to forget that every single time a consumer adds a pharmacy product to their cart or to their basket, it's an honor. It's a privilege. And how we run the business from the marketing to the product to the brand experience, we always want to remember that um, and honor that. So tell me in a more concrete sense for the first priorities you have in your role, what we can expect to see from pharmacy in the first half or first year. Sure. I think in 2022, it's it's a really exciting year for us because I, we want to really grow our brand awareness. Really, the theme for 2022 with pharmacy is um, expansion of our brand awareness. Um, you know, we were sort of, you know, quote unquote, an indie darling, if you will. And really, 2022 is being our, our breakout year. You know, we are exclusive to Sephora and we have such a really strong partnership with them. And through our relationship with Sephora, really ensuring that we're growing our brand awareness, we've historically not spent a lot on marketing and advertising. And in 2022, um, what I hope you'll start to see is more pharmacy, um, driving more awareness, bigger activations, um, to make sure that our products, our brand, our message, our values are really reaching a broader audience. Also, I think um, we have really robust innovation. I think the, and we obviously will touch upon that later, but we have such robust innovation really focusing on key skews on treatments because we know treatment innovation is really important. We want to meet the needs of the evolving consumer. Skincare consumers now are so smart. Um, they can read an ingredient list back and forth and know all about it. Um, and we want to make sure that our products are continuing to deliver as the consumer appetite for uh, more advanced and clinical products becomes greater. We want to make sure that we're there and, and meeting the needs of our existing consumer and the broader kind of skincare user. On the topic of brand awareness, how are you thinking of approaching that? Is it simply investing more in advertising or are there more activations and partnerships that we might see from the brand? Sure. I mean, certainly we're continuing to invest um, heavily in digital and paid social. But what you'll start to see this year um, are new experiences such as out-of-home advertising, which we've historically have not done in the past which we are continuing to explore with select cities. We have our very first pop-up happening in April um, and really finding ways to make our interaction with the consumer less transactional. So it's not just driving brand awareness, but driving brand engagement um, and thinking about how can we have more consumers experience pharmacy as a brand and who we are. So that, of course, includes our pop-up in April, which we're really excited about. It'll be in Soho in New York. But also thinking about outside of the box, outside of beauty. So, for example, we're looking at even a um, a pop-up kind of dining experience with select partners. Because pharmacy as a brand, what we stand for is supporting community, being as sustainable as we can be. Um, being really mindful of ingredients and being thoughtful of how we're thinking about ingredients and our, and our skin and our bodies, right? And so 
a natural kind of progression from skincare is is food. Not to say that we're going to be, you know, become a food company, obviously, but there are really nice ways and organic ways that we can tie our brand values into a food experience. And I think food is such a passion point, just like beauty is a passion point. People love talking about food. People love talking about in- ingredients. Um, and it really goes back to our farm heritage and our farm roots as well. So I think thinking of really interesting sort of outside of the box ways we can engage with a consumer who may not even have known about pharmacy in the past um, in unique and interesting ways. Right, right. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that farm to face concept that the brand really started and, and in a way introduced to the beauty world. Yes, absolutely. And I think that um, is still very near and dear to to my heart. I've been to many farms um, across the country as part of my job and just meeting farmers and um, kind of actually seeing the farms where the ingredients come from. That's really special. And I think that's why farm to table restaurants, it resonates with consumers because this idea of farm to table, it means the chef behind it was really thoughtful about what they put in their ingredients. They care a lot about what they're serving their consumer. And I think that concept is the same with pharmacy. We care so much about the consumer experience. We want to make sure that what we're putting in our formulas, everything is really thoughtful um, and planned out and really deliberate. Tell me more about the pop-up in April and its purpose. I have found that a lot of brands find it a great opportunity for data collection and learning more about their customers. So we have our very first pop-up happening in April in Soho, um, and it's the first time that the brand has done any sort of live event at this scale, so we're really excited about it. I think the purpose is to really showcase to a wider audience to drive awareness of what is pharmacy, what do we stand for, who are we, what are our values, um, and to have this interactive space where consumers can experience um, pharmacy. So what's really unique about the interactive space is that obviously it's going to be beautiful and experiential, but a lot of pop-up spaces, they end up creating a lot of waste. You know, the, the materials and um, all of the decorations and the design are by nature not very sustainable. So we want to be really thoughtful about how we go about the interactive space to make sure it's a great experience, but still we're true to our values and our roots, which is trying to be um, as sustainable as possible. So our goal is to have roughly 80% of the materials from the pop-up to be either upcycled or uh, recyclable so that we're minimizing our waste impact as we create these unique events. Tell me more about the sustainability initiatives and goals that Pharmacy has. You've brought it up a few times, but I'd love to hear more. Sure. Um, I think, you know, when you think about what consumers expect from brands, sustainability now is certainly at the forefront. But I think luckily pharmacy is a brand where sustainability has always been at the forefront and built into our brand DNA. Um, and one of the things that we've embarked on last year that we're continuing this year is to make all of our packaging as sustainable as possible. And what I mean by that is, by the end of this year, we anticipate that all of our products will be either from recycled materials, such as PCR, or fully recyclable. Um, I think zero waste is a little bit of a controversial term, so we try not to use that word because zero waste can mean a variety of things to different people. So when we talk about uh, sustainable packaging, our goal is to make 100% of our packaging either from recycled materials or fully recyclable. 
So that's one um, initiative. We're also looking into um, carbon offsetting programs for our pharmacybeauty.com shipping. We do offer um, also uh, empty an empties program on our website where you can go to pharmacybeauty.com and we provide you a complimentary label for you to recycle your products as well. Because we do know, um, yes, we want to provide you know, products that are recyclable, but at the same time, we want to make it easy for the consumer. There is this hurdle of like wish cycling where, you know, you put something in the bin and you just hope that it's recyclable. And we just want to minimize um, the work and the stress to the consumer that goes into recycling and, and try to make it as easy as possible for our consumers to just do the right thing and be responsible and feel um, that they are making an impact. We'll be right back after this message. I have found myself lately, when it comes to my recycling habits, I'm becoming almost more anxious and paranoid. I've started pulling the tape off of cardboard boxes because I have no idea if that impacts whether or not it's able to be recycled. But to your point about wish cycling, you just throw it in, hoping that it makes it to the end of the line. Exactly. So I think for, for me, recycling, um, for pharmacy, recycling is obviously very, very important. But what we also want to do is to lean into more um, PCR materials and in that way, because then the responsibility is not on the consumer to recycle the end product if the product itself, meaning the packaging itself, is already from recycled materials. Uh, because the reality is, although it's nice to say that packaging is recyclable, which we, you know, we always aim for, ultimately, you know, there are numerous studies that show that much of what is actually recyclable doesn't necessarily get recycled. And so we want to be able to provide sustainable solutions that are realistic, um, versus just being able to say, oh, this is recyclable. Another thing that we're also looking into is upcycled ingredients. Um, and, you know, where that came about is, you know, pharmacy as a brand, we've always been about fresh ingredients um, and ingredients that are good for your skin, right? But I think as part of that, as a brand, how can a brand talk about and address, you know, good ingredients for your skin without addressing, you know, good the fact that there are members of our community that don't have good ingredients for, you know, their diet. Um, and so for me, food waste is something that pharmacy has always um, focused on as well, because we can't really talk about good ingredients for your skin without also trying to help members of our community who can't have, you know, good ingredients in their diet. So we actually um, partner with Feeding America. Feeding America is the U.S.'s largest hunger relief um, organization. Um, and, and I admire Feeding America so much. I think not only are they, are they helping to solve um, food insecurity, but what they do is they take food that would have been wasted. And food waste is such a huge problem in the U.S. And they're able to divert it to uh, people in need before it goes to waste. Um, and in that way, you're solving kind of this big hunger problem as well as this food waste problem. Because the fact of the matter is in our country, there's actually enough food to feed everyone, um, yet all of this food goes to waste. So as part of that, one of the things that we, we talked about is how do we think about sustainability more than just packaging? Like that's just surface level. It's obviously very low-hanging fruit and very important, but beyond packaging, how can we as a brand 
think about and incorporate more sustainable practices kind of into everything that we do. And that's why, for example, for the pop-up, we want to have sustainable materials in what we build, but also we want to think about how can we formulate more sustainable, more sustainably? Is it less water? Um, is it upcycled ingredients? So what you'll start to see this year is our focus on um, upcycled ingredients. Um, you know, food, the food industry creates a lot of waste, um, creates a lot of water waste. And it's just such an easy thing to take, you know, a byproduct of food production, which is still maybe not something that a consumer would eat, but it can be processed into, um, cosmetic grade formulas or, excuse me, cosmetic grade raw materials that we can then use in our formulas. You mentioned just now water waste, and this question might be a little left field, but I've been seeing a lot more brands coming out with waterless products, and generally the press is talking about it quite a bit. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something that pharmacy might pursue? Sure. I think waterless beauty is really interesting. We know that roughly 80% of a lot of beauty products are are water-based. And I think by creating waterless formulas, not only are you... Um, you know, making the formula, you're just not transporting water back and forth every time you're shipping a product to a consumer, but also there's less water during the process of manufacturing uh, the formula itself. So I think, of course, waterless beauty is not a a cure-all magic pill that's going to fix the beauty industry and and make us sustainable. But I do think everything counts. Um, I would say in the industry there in the beauty industry and just the industry overall, there's this fear of, I would, you know, greenwashing. Um, but at the same time, I think as a beauty brand, you want to try everything that you can to be sustainable. So while waterless beauty is not going to, to solve a water crisis or make a brand sustainable, it's what are these little things that you can do, you know, behind brands are, are, are still people just as people, you know, like you were mentioning before, there's this sort of anxiousness and stress about, you know, how do I recycle? Am I recycling properly? It's all about starting with one small thing. What's one small thing that I can do as an individual to be more sustainable? And I think about that from a brand perspective as well. What are little small things that we can do as a brand to change how we think about our business practices, to change how we think about Uh, sustainability in everything that we do. So while waterless beauty is obviously not the full solution to how we, how we become sustainable, I think it's one area that is really interesting, um, that pharmacy, you know, we hope to pursue in the near future. On a slightly related topic, since you've been with pharmacy for many years now, I would love to hear your thoughts on the clean beauty category in today's market, and in particular, how you see it's changing. Sure. I would say, you know, clean beauty is such a nebulous term, and I think as a result, um, it sometimes doesn't mean much to consumers. Um, and so I think when a brand says their formulas are clean, it's important to be really specific about what that means. For pharmacy, what clean means, is that the same as what another brand, what it means to be clean for another brand? So I think the term clean, I think these days it's vilified. But if consumers are looking for clean, it's fine to say your formulas are clean. Um, just explain what you mean by that. Right. But I also think um, from when pharmacy first started five, six years ago, clean beauty was new. 
It was a way to define your brand. I think clean now is table stakes. It's like free shipping. You only notice when it's not there. Um, so you can't really define your brand as, as being clean. And that's your whole identity. I think clean is just one aspect of how we formulate. I think at pharmacy, we've evolved how we think about clean to really focus on, well, what does clean really mean? So it's semantics. When a consumer says they want clean, it just means they want formulas that they can trust and they want transparency um, and they want accountability. And so that's how I see clean evolving. It's about being really honest about what you use in your ingredients and why you choose to use an ingredient or why you choose not to use an ingredient. And as part of that, I think it's about being responsible. So not only being responsible as a brand to your consumer skin, but really being conscious of how are we giving back to the community? How are we, how are we giving back to the earth and being sustainable? So clean has really evolved um, from what it was six years ago to what it is now. And I think there's a lot of controversy around clean. Some people hate the term clean, but for me, I think it's just semantics. At the end of the day, you know, you don't have to call it clean, but it's about being transparent, being honest, and being a responsible beauty brand. I really like your comparison to free shipping in that <laughs> you only notice when it's not there. I think that's very spot on. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely never pay for shipping. <laughs> absolutely. It's it's like I'm spending enough money. It should be, it should be a given. <laughs> yes. And I think that way about clean beauty too. To me, it's like, imagine if there was, you know, clean food. So are you saying that it, it shouldn't be a category, you know, for for a formula to not contain ingredients um, that are questionable or that worry the consumer. I think that every that's the responsibility of every brand, every company to 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 make sure that anything that's in their formulas are tested. And they're known to be safe and they're known to be effective. And to be honest, I think largely, you know, the beauty industry already does that. Um, and it's just more about education. There are some ingredients in an inky in the back of a, a label that maybe sound scary, um, but they're not. They're harmless. And it's really just about explaining what ingredients are. So that goes back to this idea of transparency and education. It's not about clean versus dirty. It's about explaining what's in the formula and why. Switching topics a bit, I had mentioned at the beginning of the show that P&G recently bought pharmacy. How do you expect the new P&G ownership to change the business? You know, I think um, we're really excited about it. I don't see much change, to be quite honest with you. Throughout the process, PNG has used um, the term do no harm with us, which I which I think is great. Basically, I think they their approach to acquisition is that they are choosing brands that they already love and they already believe in. So why would you change what you bought because you 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 liked and you believed in, right? And so largely um P&G will allow us to kind of continue to do what we've always done. I think the only difference is we now can leverage the, the kind of the deep resources of P&G. So for example, I think we have this appetite to expand internationally. 
Um, and as an independent brand, to be able to scale internationally, it would take a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of resources. For example, in Asia and Europe, where we don't have a huge presence. But with the support and resources of P&G, who, you know, they're sold all over the world, we now, that process suddenly becomes easier. So that's where we see um, a huge opportunity there. And we also know that P&G really is focusing on responsible beauty and the responsible beauty platform. So pharmacy really fits right in there. Um, and so looking at, you know, P&G's R&D and innovation and thinking about what cool and unique and interesting sustainable technologies and sustainable initiatives does P&G have that pharmacy can utilize. It's really um, very exciting. Pharmacy is also a Sephora exclusive brand in U.S. stores. Are you planning to expand outside of Sephora anytime soon? I think, you know, we love Sephora and our partnership with Sephora in the U.S. Um, we want to, this year, we really want to continue our growth with Sephora in the U.S. Our focus, um, I would say over the next two years in North America is to grow and drive awareness with our partners at Sephora, as well as our own website at pharmacybeauty.com. Um, domestically and then internationally, we think that there's an opportunity in Asia and in Europe with select retailers. Thank you again so much, Mina, for joining us today. Um, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week. <laughs>